Hi friend, you're listening to a London Lyceum exclusive episode that is typically only available to subscribers. If you want to have access to all of our exclusive content, including Kiffin's Keep, Generally Particular, Typology by Immersion, The Hanover House, and all of our live stream content, consider joining for just $5 a month. Not only will you be getting access to all of this content and more, but you'll also be supporting and investing in an institution serious about thinking. So why not go ahead and click the link in the description now and enjoy all of the exclusive content directly to your mobile device or wherever you listen. As always, we're thinking about new ways to get you thinking, and we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Generally Particular, a production of the London Lyceum. I'm your host, Jesse Owens, and I'm joined by my co-host. I'm Jake Stone. Generally Particular is a show that is dedicated to discussing and thinking about the whole Baptist story. And we are a show by Baptists, about Baptists, and for Baptists, as well as Anglicans, Methodists, Presbyterians, and Lutherans. Jake is a Calvinist Baptist, and I am an Arminian Baptist. In the 17th century, we would have been a general Baptist and a particular Baptist. So we brought those two together to form what we think is a fun way of saying it in generally particular. In this first episode, we want to give you a little bit of background about ourselves, tell you about the origins of our friendship, share our interest in Baptist history, explain why we think telling the whole Baptist story matters, and lay out what we hope this show will accomplish. Now, before we go any further, we um, have scheduled this show to come out on March the 2nd for a particular purpose, and I'm going to let Jake tell you about that. Both Jesse and I feel very indebted to one of the premier Baptist historians of our day, Dr. Tom Nettles. And March the 2nd is Dr. Nettles' birthday. And we really want in this podcast to exhibit the spirit that Dr. Nettles has shown in his teaching, his writings, and that is to care about church history, but specifically Baptist history, not just for the academy, but for the church. And we hope that this show will aim to equip pastors, laymen, as well as those that are serving in academic settings. And so we dedicate this to Dr. Nettles. We are thankful for him. And I'm glad that it shows that there are good things that do come out of the state of Mississippi. (laughs) All right. So let's start uh, by saying a little bit more about ourselves, giving you a little bit of background on ourselves. I'm going to let Jake start off and uh, give you a little bit of background on himself and then I'll tell you a little bit about me. Well, I am originally from Gulfport, Mississippi, which is all the way on the Gulf of Mexico. Yes, the place where we have great food, great scenery, and also hurricanes as well. The Lord blessed me to grow up in a home with a mom and a dad who love Christ and love the church. And I grew up in the church, my mom and dad, um, you name it, they did it, whether it was cutting grass, cleaning the building, clerk, treasure, Sunday school, piano, etc. And so our whole lives were wrapped around what was going on at New Testament Baptist Church. In those days, it was much more of a fundamentalist, uh, King James only landmark type of church. And the Lord in his graciousness saved me when I was 15 And then at the age of 19, discerned a call to ministry, preached my first sermon in February of 2009, 
and began pastoring my first church in May of 2009. So all of three months of experience. I did not go to be the youth pastor or the associate pastor. I was the only pastor of that congregation. That church was started in 1870, and it was an interesting two years. It was boot camp. I then went and served nearly 10 years at New Testament Baptist Church, where I grew up at. And the Lord blessed us to see the church move in a more spiritually healthy direction, being more confessional, moving towards Reformed Baptist theology. I resigned from there in February of 2021, and I'm I'm thankful for a dear friend and a good brother who is serving as pastor there now, Corey Bailey, who's doing a great job. He also is one of my fiercest critics when it comes to my taste in coffee, if you've ever watched him on Twitter. And I moved up here to Louisville in June of 2021 and began studies at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I did my undergrad work in Mississippi at William Carey University in Hattiesburg. Never really thought that I would have the opportunity to do on-campus studying for a master's degree. And I'm very thankful to be here. I also am a member of the Reformed Baptist Church of Louisville. I am often asked, do I desire to go back into full-time pastoral ministry? And, And at this time, I really don't have that desire. I would love to do my PhD here as well in Baptist history. I would love to teach. I love being a member of a local church and serving any way that I can. But it's been a interesting ride over the years, but God has been faithful to me over and over and over. And I'm so thankful for the opportunities that he's given me, including to do this with you, Jesse. Thanks, Jake. Corey's right. You have terrible coffee taste, but we can talk about that another time. I I grew up in a Free Baptist pastor's home. My dad pastors a church in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, just outside of downtown. And uh, had a great uh, home life and uh, and wonderful, godly Christian parents. It wasn't until the age of 17, though, that I was, uh, I think, genuinely converted, uh, actually at a summer camp, uh, Independent Baptist summer camp. And it wasn't long after that that I felt like the Lord was calling me uh, into the ministry. So I went to Welch College, which is the denominational college of the National Association of Real Baptists, and studied pastoral ministry. After that, I went to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary for my MDiv and then PhD in historical theology. Um, we can maybe talk about what it was like to be an Arminian at Southern Seminary uh, in, in a future episode. But I currently pastor a Free Will Baptist Church, Emmanuel Church in Gallatin, Tennessee, that actually meets on the campus of, uh, of Welch College. And uh, I have uh, a wife and two sons. And uh, I teach uh, church history and historical theology and systematic theology at Welch College. So that's probably enough uh, on me at this time. But uh, Jesse, did you feel uh, like Elijah, the, the, the remnant as the Arminian at Southern Seminary? I don't really know how to I don't know how to describe it. Uh, I did have someone ask me one time. Uh, so why are you why are you here? Uh, so so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Um, Jake, why don't we uh, why don't we tell folks about how we met? Uh, so so exactly how is it that uh, an Arminian Baptist and a Calvinist Baptist become friends? Uh, wh- how, how does that sort of uh, relationship begin? 
Well, probably because I didn't know that you were an Armenian at the beginning. <laughs> um, so I just uh, kind of step back about what, what, what has driven interest. When I pastored in Mississippi, we started a conference and we did it for three years called the Kerry Fuller Conference. Uh, the, the vision we had was that, you know, Baptist history and Baptist theology in the life of the local church. And so um, Andrew Fuller and William Carey are two of my heroes uh, in Baptist history. They're kind of the two men that were early for me uh, influential. And so I was always trying to to find anything that I could to read about those men. And I came across an article uh, that that Jesse wrote on the relationship between Andrew Fuller, who was a particular Baptist, and Dan Taylor, who was a general Baptist. And I could not have conceived that an Arminian could write such kind, good, balanced thoughts about a Calvinist like Fuller. And so I read Jesse's piece, and I thought it was really well done, and reached out to him contacted him, shared it, and kind of told him who I was and why I was interested. And then I found out that he was at this place called Welch College that is not a Calvinistic institution. And so I I came to learn that Jesse was an Arminian. And Mm -hmm. however, most people think that that means that we're supposed to not like each other, um, maybe despise each other. Uh, argue with each other, and yet, um, by God's providence and His just graciousness, uh, Jesse's become one of my best friends, and um, and so it's it's, it's interesting that um, that the relationship between a particular and general Baptist historically uh, kind of was the foundation of, of connecting with you. And I think we'll talk about this later, but that's one of the things that we want to highlight is the way in which we see some of these relationships in the 17th and 18th century, uh, but we also see it as important today. So let me say about that. One, I, I don't know to this day if Founders knows that I am an Arminian and that they published an Arminian on their website. Well, they will now. So I just kind of have a feeling that if they knew, they might not have uh, might not have posted it. But how that came about was I had a seminar with Tom Nettles, uh, interestingly enough, and the whole class was on the theology of Andrew Fuller. And so we were just reading through Fuller's works in the Sprinkle um, edition. And uh, I had written a paper on Dan Taylor and Andrew Fuller's interaction. And so I wrote that short piece and it went on Founders and that ultimately ended up being how we connected. So uh, certainly uh, um, a great beginning to uh, to our, our friendship and, and certainly providential uh, that the Lord brought that to, to pass. Jake, why are you uh, interested in Baptist history and how did you get interested in Baptist history? Um, when did you start reading Baptist history? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, there's kind of a, a multi-part answer to this. First of all, I've always had a love for history. And I think part of that probably goes to Uh, One of my grandfathers who served at the end of World War II and the occupation period of Germany and Japan afterwards that, um, you know, he loved history. And so that was something that was uh, kind of in the environment when I was around him. And then when I was in the second grade, I remember that there was a poster of the U.S. presidents on the wall. And I just decided that I wanted to memorize them. And if you're listening and you're like, wow, that guy really is a nerd, I plead guilty. 
And, uh, but I've just memorized that. And my mom, my mom loved to read. And so she started getting me president's books. And so that, that was, that was there on that side. I mean, when I was 11 years old was the election of 2000 and I really got into it. I, I made both my parents, they voted, but they didn't really get into it. I mean, we watched the conventions, we watched the debates. So, you know, that's why I don't, don't, I, by God's grace, I do not use social media or other platforms to espouse my political thoughts. I keep those to a select group of people. It's more safe that way. And I I just love that, loved history. Well, from the church side, I grew up in a landmark context. So Baptist history is very important for us because we hold to a view of what is known as successionism, which will be something we'll eventually talk about on this podcast. And so I was reared on the trail of blood and that understanding of where Baptists come from that it began with John at the Jordan, and we've been going ever since. And so they're, they're really, I can remember taking in high school a European history class and hearing about Luther and Calvin and the Protestant Reformation. And as a junior in high school, I knew that I was not a Catholic and I was not a Protestant, that I was a Baptist. And so it was really kind of an eye-opener because I was getting introduced to those men in that context at that time. Were you, were you wondering why they skipped the Waldensians and the Albigensians? Well, I just knew that this was typical misinformation from academic elites. You know? <laughs> and I um, mean, I was, I was taught very well. And so, you know, that's part of who I am. Um, when I start in ministry, um, you know, I uh, preached at a, a tent revival And I encourage our listeners, if you are not familiar with the Baptist flag, to Google it. And that's what was behind me while I preached, which it says, Baptist, the blood, the book, and the blessed hope. And so that's that's kind of, it's it's two-part. It's the kind of American political, and then the, the church history, the Baptist history. And then as I came into Reformed theology, as I came into Calvinism, was also my introduction uh, into the the world of the SBC because I did not grow up Southern Baptist. And I I was becoming introduced to the SBC kind of at the tail end of the controversy in the convention over Calvinism. And that's how I discovered Founders Ministries, the Second London Baptist Confession. And that really opened up a whole new world for me as far as Baptist history, because in my context as a Growing up in the landmark world, I mean, you know, we didn't think the Southern Baptists were real Baptist. I mean, we believed that we as landmarkers would be in the bride, but everybody else would be in the city, but they would live outside the city. And um, so it really was a whole, and somebody like you, Jess, who wouldn't have had a chance. And, um, <laughs> and so that's really- By the way, I, I would have, my folks would have been closer than, than folks in the SBC. And I, and I think, you know, anyone who's listens, listened to the London Lyceum and he, has heard a little bit of this sort of stuff, but I, I, I think for the majority of people that might listen to this, you're probably introducing them to a world that they are entirely unfamiliar with. So keep going. Yes, it, 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 it's a real world. And um, I, I, I remember as a, the more that I learned about, you know, Baptist history and these things like confessions and catechisms, and that's, that's really when I came across Dr. Nettles, uh, Dr. Michael Haken, 
And these men and their their resources really just began to drive me. I've always believed history is important. And I've always loved trying to tie that in in some way into the life of, of a church. And then to see just how rich and deep. And then I would say through my friendship with you, because if our audience is aware, for most people that come out of a background that, that they were not Calvinist, and then they do become Calvinist, there is what's called the cage stage. And so, you know, I probably was in that for a little while. And then, you know, to meet you and to meet somebody that comes from a different stream in Baptist life, and that's heritage is more on the, you know, the general Baptist side. And even learning of the diversity that exists in the free will Baptist tradition really has helped me, I think, over time, while my roots theologically, convictionally, are among the particular Baptist, to, and I think we're the most important group in Baptist history. Um, well, we, were the, we were the first. So you well, can, you, can, you know, it's not about who's go first, it's about who got it right. You, and, can, you um, can go for most important, but, but you can't have first. And, um, well, we can't get everything. We want to share the wealth with some. And, um, you know, it helped me see that our our, our story um, is one that is is rich. There's a lot of different streams in it. And there's things that we disagree about, but there's also a lot that unites us. So that's a long answer to your question. But I, I really think that it's kind of a combination of a lot of things in my own that's my own life that's led me to be, you know, where I am today as far as committed to really having a passion for people understanding the Baptist story. No, that's great. And, and my situation is not entirely dissimilar from yours. I had a great aunt who was very interested in history, and she um, she would even take me when I would visit North Carolina on these little trips to abandoned houses and tell me about the history of that community and things like that. And so I was, I had always been interested in history. And then in college, I had a couple of professors. One of them was a, a great godly man uh, who I really respect by the name of John Carter. And he taught American uh, history and I really enjoyed his classes. Uh, and then another gentleman that I'm, I'm uh, is actually my direct boss now. And uh, one of my coworkers, uh, Kevin Hester, taught church history and a lot of early church stuff. And I, I really just enjoyed it. And then Matt Pinson, who's the president of Welch College, had a huge influence on me and my interest in Baptist history and to learn more about English Baptist and the English General Baptist really opened up a new world to me, kind of like you were saying, theologically, confessionally, to, to look at these confessions of faith and to, to sort of see that, that history and heritage was huge for me. And then, uh, Folks like Tom Nettles and and Greg Wills, uh, I had I had Doctor Wills in the Master of Divinity program. I had him for every church history class that I was required to take for the MDiv, and he really just deepened my love for Baptist history uh, across the board. And so again, that that really was only furthered by studying under men like Michael Haken and Tom Nettles and and even Sean Wright and Greg Wills and and those sorts of folks. And so. Um, that's a little bit of the progression for me. I didn't memorize any presidents at in second grade or whatever you said. Um, well, well but, I mean, um, you know, you said that about your your aunt taking you to homes and all. Growing up, you know, we went to Disney World once when I was five, but most of our vacations we would go like to tour old homes 
in the South and do things like that. So that's always been something that's just kind of, you know, I think my dad's always had an interest in like Native American history because of our, our family background and so forth. But it's always been interesting just as to looking back. And I can even remember as, as I was even growing up in a landmark context, you know, being interested in the churches that were in our association, the history of our association. It was started in 1870. How did things happen and so forth? And just that's always kind of been there. It's just a part of, you know, who we are. And I, I think um, we'll, to use a quote that Jordan Stefaniak would use a lot, we will have this linked in the show notes. But I encourage people, a dear brother that came and spoke to twice at our Kerry Fuller conference, uh, Jeff Robinson has a great piece that he wrote for SBTS Equip, Eight Reasons Why You Should Study Baptist History. And I think that really is, this is not something that's just for the academy. It's not just something that is for a dissertation or a PhD study. But, you know, every church, you've gotten where you are because of people who have gone before you. And I think to, you you know, borrow from C.S. Lewis, it is chronological snobbery for us to act like we exist in a vacuum, so to speak. And I think we suffer in a civil state from that. And I think in many ways in the church as well. What is it that Timothy George says, I think at the beginning of his class is something like a lot happened between Jesus and your grandma yeah. and it's my he job said, to, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it said that he would begin and he would say that there's a lot of things that happen between Jesus Christ and your grandma. And it's my job to explain to you why it matters. And, and I, and I think yeah. that, and I think that's a, you know, I've, you've, you've heard Dr. Haken say this before about how churches have, have failed in this by not keeping good records. Now I can say my grandfather and then my dad were, church clerks at the church I grew up. So, and especially my grandfather, I mean, he was tedious on the note-taking from the business meetings and, you know, but there's a record, there's a real record. Anybody wants to go back and, you know, read through those things. You know, we do have a record of our history. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Jake, um, maybe I'll I'll let you start us off on this one too. um, Because I, I, it, it might be better for our listeners to to hear it from you. Maybe maybe more of our listeners might be Calvinist Baptist, uh, is, would be my assumption. Uh, why does telling the whole story of Baptist matter? And I, and I think by the whole story, we mean uh, the whole story, but, but we certainly mean looking at the history of general Baptist and particular Baptist, really our traditions. Why do we need to tell the whole story? What do we gain from that? Well, I think one thing, for example, you know, the friendship with you for has helped me remove a, certain caricatures that I would say I was exposed to and held as I came to the doctrines of grace about, you know, who Arminians are, what Arminians believe, etc. And really, on the on the other end, you know, I, we've talked about this before. There's caricatures of, of who Calvinists are, you know, who, who are the, who are the, the, the 1689ers, you know, they, 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 you know, and so we, we they're, have, they're the, they're the ones that asked me why I was at Southern. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, so we, we, we kind of begin to assume we know who people are. 
And if I, if I can borrow from, well, we forgot to add some things. If I can kind of do a little side note here, there's other things that me and Jesse really like. We both, you know, like good Southern food. We like the band Alabama. We are Alabama Crimson Tide fans. We were before the Nick Saban era. We certainly have enjoyed this time. And we both are very familiar with To Kill a Mockingbird. And one of the great lines from that book is that if you want to know a man, you got to crawl into his skin and walk around for a while to get to know him. And if I'm going to be a faithful teacher and historian of Baptist history, then I have to know that the group that I am a part of is not the only group. Um, I, I'm very, you know, very thankful for the work that has been done in the Southern Baptist Convention over the years. And me being here at Southern Seminary is a part of the work that the convention has done. But sometimes people think that Southern Baptists are the only Baptists that exist. And oftentimes I, I think that something that is the Southern Baptist way gets equated to the Baptist way. And that's not historically correct. And so while the Southern Baptists may be the largest Baptist group, they are not the only Baptist group. And as a particular Baptist, as somebody who stands in that stream, I'm going to argue that, you know, our confession of faith, the Second London Baptist, number one, I think it's the best confession. And I think that you can debate that. I do think, though, second of all, and I don't think this is debatable, it's probably the most influential confession in Baptist history as far as how it's influenced other confessions that have been written in, in America. But we're not the only part. And as you said, there, there are Baptists that preceded the particular Baptist, the general Baptist. And, I, you know, we've talked about this in our current context where there's a lot of debate about religious liberty and church and state and all of that. Well, I mean, I can look in the 17th century and I can see men like Roger Williams and Isaac Clark and, excuse me, John Clark, and Obadiah Holmes, you know, they're referencing and they're citing, you know, Thomas Helwes and Merton and, and John Smith and General Baptist and their argumentations that they make for religious liberty. So why would I why would I not care about, you know, the people that while I may have differences with them on soteriology in some respects, you know, in ecclesiology, we have a lot in common. We have a distinct view of the covenants. That's something that's been lost among a, a lot of Baptists of, in our contemporary time of just how much the Baptist um, roots are in covenant theology soil. And that's for general and particular Baptists. And that we should learn from each other. And just it's just as important for me to know about general Baptist as for somebody that's in the general Baptist stream to know about particular Baptist, because we all have a part in the Baptist story. And, you know, even when you think about things like, for example, the, the history of the black Baptist church and the contributions that it has made to the development of Baptist identity. And then even to think about how the Baptist movement has gone global. And so it doesn't mean, I think sometimes people think learning about other parts of the tradition is somehow a compromise. And I think that's, you know, I think that's misguided. I think that we better understand who we are and what we believe by knowing each part of the tradition. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and I think it adds a certain richness and 
um, beauty and complexity and all of those things to consider, especially as we're thinking about um, the general Baptist tradition, particular Baptist tradition. When I think about general Baptist views on X, Y, or Z doctrine, uh, or what they say in a, in a given confession of faith, I, I want to know what the, the particular Baptist said in, in the first and second London confessions of faith. I, I, I want to be able to take into account all of those things. So if the general Baptist said this on religious toleration or the office of elder or associations or all of those sorts of things, to me, to do the history justice, I, I need to know what particular Baptist thought on these things. And there's a lot of debate about the overlap and the interaction and how much they even cared about what each other wrote or did or any of those sorts of things. Those are the kinds of things that we plan to get into as this show goes along uh, and, and, to, and to really highlight some of the interaction that they had with one another. Um, but but either way, I think like you're saying, Jake, uh, there's so much overlap on on covenant theology, on ecclesiology, on associations, on all of those sorts of things that we are really benefited by taking the whole thing into account. And, and I, and I really don't know that we're doing either a, um, the general Baptist or the particular Baptist justice without really considering the whole thing, without taking the whole thing into account. So, uh, so that, that's great. And, and I, and I'm with you totally on that. Now, um, most people though think that we're supposed to not like each other. And the question is, is this a, historical anomaly that we're doing this as friends, or I think it would be good for our audience because a lot of people that are listening are probably familiar with the London Lyceum, and they have heard some of the episodes that are called the Hanover House. And that that actually, that credit goes to you because you're the one that told me the story behind the Hanover House. So explain to our audience What's the significance of that place and how did it kind of maybe model a little bit of what we're trying to do in this podcast? Yeah, well, I mean, without going into a lot of detail, I think that the Hanover House is demonstrative of a time in 17th century Baptist life when there was overlap and interaction with General Baptist and particular Baptists. Uh, in that particular uh, place. And so I'm glad that the the, the Lyceum took that on uh, as a name for one of the sort of endeavors or parts of the show that they have. But I think what we're trying to do, like you're, I think you're ultimately getting at, what we're trying to do is demonstrate something of that same spirit, that cooperation we see between uh, Calvinist Baptists and Arminian Baptists or General Baptists and particular Baptists in, in our own day. And, uh, and I think there's a, a lot of benefit to that. And and you would totally echo this, Jake, and I, I think you would probably add how you think you're right and I'm wrong. But um, it's not as if for these sorts of endeavors, we're laying soteriology aside. That That's not really what we're after. But I do think we could say we have so emphasized sometimes soteriology that we have overlooked things, like you said earlier, covenant theology, ecclesiology, um, associationalism, all, all of these things that uh, that we can benefit from looking at the entirety of the Baptist tradition or the whole story and uh, and 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 so that's ultimately what we're after and I, and I think that we have a lot to learn from that and I think uh, those who are listening to this can learn a lot from that as well so Jesse are you saying that we're endeavoring for Baptist Catholicity in this podcast yeah I think that's what we're after and we are we should add to that we are very appreciative for um, what uh, 
what guys like Luke Stamps and Matt Emerson are doing uh, and all of the stuff they've done on Baptist Catholicity. Both of us have been influenced by Timothy George and his writings. That's something that will come up in this show. So absolutely, we're after a genuine Baptist Catholicity and hoping to embody that uh, in, in our friendship with one another as well. Well, we do want to make something clear. Jordan Stefaniak likes to talk a lot about charitable views. Well, this is a little more Baptist to the bone in this podcast. And we still want to be charitable, but we may not allow Bunyanites a seat at the table here. So we're going to be charitable to one another. Is that what it is as as fellow Baptists? But but we're still going to exclude certain folks. Well, there was a comment that uh, I heard about uh, from Twitter, I think, where someone said that our approach was divisive. And um, hopefully it's not not divisive because, again, how often are Arminian Baptists and Calvinist Baptists getting together for a show like this? I don't I don't think it's happening very often. Yeah. And I also think, you know, we wanted you know, this is a paraphrase of, of a statement Dr. Haken has made. If, if we don't tell the sto- our story, who will tell it? And if somebody does tell it, they're probably going to tell it poorly. So as yeah. those who are a part of the tradition, you know, it's it's our responsibility to tell this and we think it's a, a rich story. It's not a perfect story. Um, I mean, both of us are imperfect and both of us have our flaws and our shortcomings. And we're not going to get everything right, even on this podcast, although I think we will. But uh, we're going to strive to show that we as Baptists, we don't have a heritage to be ashamed of. We have one to embrace. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Jake, we, we probably hit on some of these things already, but um, what are some things that we hope that this show will accomplish? I'll, I'll begin by saying that one of the one of the things we've already kind of brought up is we hope that that this show fosters a sense of unity, um, a, a sense of Baptist Catholicity, not only in the sense of embracing the entirety of the tradition, but maybe beginning with embracing the entirety of our own tradition. Uh, that that might be a place that uh, that we need to to consider. Um, we also want to foster a deeper love for 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 Baptist history on the whole. Um, but what are some things that that you hope that uh, that we can accomplish through this show? One thing I hope we can do is is first of all is to introduce people to some really good resources, both primary sources and secondary. So we want to be able to recommend to y'all, you know, books and articles that you should check out that people have written about Baptist history and the Baptist tradition, but also to be able to point you to, to figures, to, to, to read what they have, you know, written on various subjects. And, and I hope it would show that, you know, sometimes people think that all Baptists have ever done is just go trampling in the woods barefoot and, um, you know, chewing straw or something. And that we don't have any kind of theological legacy. Well, we may not have had the the state established paid ivory uh, towers uh, that have existed in other denominations. We have had pastor theologians who had to work out doctrine as they were ministering week in and week out in the pulpit and in the homes of their people. And I think that that is what gives sometimes the Baptist theology a unique flavor. And that it's not something that's just abstract, but it is in the life of the church. We also do want to show that it is possible in the 21st century 
that you can be friends with people that you don't agree with on everything about. And I think we've we've lost something where people feel like you can only have friendships if you agree on everything. And um, I, I hope that this will be able to be a model uh, that we can have real bonds. I, it's Timothy George who said in a book that was written by Dr. Pinson there on Armenian Baptist reformed Armenianism, which we can talk about that at another point. Um, is that an oxymoron? But, uh, you know, that Calvinistic Baptist would find in that tradition, you know, theological cousins. So it means that, you know, we, and, and I've told Jesse this before, we're, we're theological cousins, but before that we're Christian brothers. And that's, that's important to remember in any dialogue and in any engagements we have with other people that we may not agree with on everything to remember the bond that we have in Christ overcomes any disagreements. Now, I'm still not going to accept infant sprinkling, but can still acknowledge and love our brothers and sisters in Christ who are Presbyterian. Well, we did say at the beginning of the show that it was a show by Baptist about Baptist and for Baptists, but we don't, we don't want to exclude the the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, or the Anglicans, if they would like to listen. Or the non-denominational people who think they're quasi-Baptist. Yes. No comment. Um, well, uh, I, I, I'm totally on board with you, Jake. I, uh, I, I'm excited about the show and excited about what, uh, what we're going to cover. Um, one of the things that you mentioned there, looking at resources, secondary sources, primary resources, uh, getting stuff in people's hands or pointing people in the right direction on stuff they can read and benefit from, uh, from, from various angles of the tradition. That's, that's what we're after. Let's finish by saying that, um, we are open to, as the London Lyceum is, uh, ideas and suggestions about future topics and content for the show. If you have any critique of the show, we would direct you to thelondonlyceum.com. You can fill out the contact form there. Uh, you can send your complaints to Jordan Stefaniak and, uh, he can sift through those and forward them on to us. Um, We want to thank you all for listening to this inaugural episode of Generally Particular, and we hope that you'll join us again in the future. God bless. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.